99 drinks still left to go Welcome all in and enjoy the show It's me though, with I'm the host You know, so sit back, relax, grab a snack and let's go Welcome on back or welcome on into the 99 Dreams podcast. If you're a regular listener, then you already know it's Raori, the host of the show. Like always, we have some amazing guests lined up and today is no different. Today we've got Tane Whitehead, another whanaunga from the Taranaki Maunga. I know it's consistent on the show that we bring in some whanaunga from Taranaki, but hey, it's what we do, man. It's what we do. So welcome on to the show, brother. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. Everything's going good. Um, everything's starting to ramp up again, which is, you know, exciting times ahead. But also, as I talked to you previous, you know, a bit of a struggle getting through this report. Brotherhood, don't worry, man. I've been there too. It, it is a mess, man. <laughs> it, it sucks, but it's so much growth and learning at the same time, eh? And that's what I've taken away from it, you know, like as much as it's been a struggle you know you know as everyone says it's you got to go through those challenges sometimes because otherwise you just think it's gonna come to you and that's why i'm you know taking a lot away from it which when i look back i know that i will take more than i am at the moment yeah bro trust me even if it's the smallest thing i think the littlest thing i took out of it was how to structure a paragraph more concisely so that my information flows from uh section to section but stuff like that, man, that's real important when you're getting on into your honours, your masters and uh, your PhDs and stuff like that, bro. It's hectic, man. But before we get any further, do you just want to give the whānau a bit of a kōwai Norway, who you are and where you're from? Cool. Uh, kia ora koutou, ko Tane Whitehead tōku ingoa no Taranaki ahau, uh, kei o te poti tōku kainga i nāianei. So, yeah, grew up in Spotswood in Taranaki, um, went to Spotswood Primary, Devon Intermediate, and then Spotswood College, and then decided to make the massive journey down to the University of Otago, which, you know, looking back, it wasn't always, I didn't always think it was possible, but I think, you know, I'm glad I came here and didn't go anywhere else. Hmm. Brotherhood, like, I'm the same. I, I went a little bit of a different route. I went down and did a, a study at NZIS in Wellington, but... After going to Otago, man, it, it, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. I loved it. It was definitely something that I am glad I did not do. I'm so glad I went, if that mm. makes sense. For you, did you have any other clear-cut options? Because, you know, Taranaki is up here in the North Island, and it's it's a bit of a mish to get down to Otago, and an even bigger mish to get back home. Yeah. So was it always like, yeah, I'm keen as to come to Otago, or were you looking at other options? I think, funnily enough, you know, once I got to high school, my PE teacher said to me, you know, you'd do great at being a physio. And, I, you know, at the time, I didn't really know what a physio had done or what physio meant, but that was always the dream. And so physio is only offered down in Otago or AUT. So I was like, oh, I'll weigh out the two options. But I've never really been a fan of Auckland, you know, coming from a smaller city like Taranaki you know like it's going somewhere big like that is a bit too much for me but um thankfully enough and as I was going into year 13 my physics teacher pushed me to come down to hands-on at Otago which is like a week-long program that year 12 and 13 students they get to come see the uni get a taster and that 
really set me up for coming down to the university. You know, that was my first ever time on a plane. So coming down, I was like, I don't know what's happening. You know, do I have to get my bag off the plane at Auckland and then put it on the next plane to Dunedin? Or do I just let it go? And then got here and I couldn't find my bag. I was struggling, but you know, it got to the end of the week. And I think the biggest takeaway was, you know, understanding that people had come from all over the country, but they had the same worries and concerns about me, but also the same passions. And so it made me rethink because, you know, like the biggest advice I give to students coming through now is, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but also, you know, when you're in your high school, you've got close mates. And so you don't talk about that kind of stuff, right? You don't say that, oh, I'm struggling with my applications and stuff like that. So being able to be like, oh, there actually are people struggling. It makes you feel, you know, like you can do this. Hard out, bro. It's a steep learning curve. Like there's no how-to manual on how to you know, <laughs> set up your papers, how to get sorted, how to get yourself to your um, your right hall of residence or your right flat. It's, it's real nerve-wracking, man. I, I don't know how many hours I spent to ask Otago just, oh, please, please just walk me through this. I'm not too sure. <laughs> So what was it like, you know, your first experience at hands-on? Oh, it was, you know, I look back and it's probably one of the, you know, it set me up for coming down here, but it wasn't without its challenges. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to stay at Studham College and, you know, I've had a full circle moment since then. But when staying there, I think it really allowed me to see, you know, meet all these new people, but it wasn't too much. I think if I was across the road at Ardena College as a student, I just wouldn't have push myself to get out of my comfort zone and you know I'm fortunate enough for that the first few people that I met um were quite outgoing and so then they would you know introduce me to new people as the as the week went on but I think also doing physiology which was my main project for the week I met some really cool people and they were all inviting you know and I I guess it was also cool to see that there were other people who were more shy than me and I was like oh so then you know it, it makes you realize that it doesn't matter you know, you just got to get out there and as much as, you, you know, you can sit back and not do things, but I thought because the opportunity is only for a week and, you know, like I got a scholarship to come down to do that. So I might as well, you know, push myself out of my comfort zone. Hard out, bro, hard out, because like you said, you got a scholarship, so you hmm. might as well, and who knows, it might be the last time you're down there, it might not be. Yeah, and, and that was the thing is, you know, I think that was the other good thing about the program is they're not – you know, obviously they promote the university, but it's also like just doing this shows that, you know, no matter what university you want to go to, you've already got that mindset that, you know, you're giving up a week in your summer holiday to come down here and experience what university has to offer. And I guess it made me realize that it actually was an option. You know, I was always, you know, I I had all right grades and, you know, I'd done quite well academically, but it's, it's one thing to do that in a smaller school like Spotswood College but to then go, oh, it actually is a possibility to go to somewhere like university where you think it's the smartest of the smartest, right? So looking back, it made me realize, oh, okay, this is actually an avenue that I can pursue rather than just being, you know, a dream that I didn't know if I could actually make it a reality. Yo, that's mean too, because uh, yeah, it is hard if you're not like in the upper echelon of boys high or francis douglas mm. or girls high or sacred heart here in taranaki yeah um you know the white that are high inglewood stratford harwater high spots with those kind of schools aren't always classed as you know the most academic or the ones where the smartest kids go mm. but 
I don't always think that it comes down to how smart you are. I think, especially once you get to university, it's about how hard you can apply yourself and work through those situations. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I think is, you know, that was something I learned in year 13 and it's taken me a while to get used to it. But I guess, you know, I look back and I'm like, yes, I might not get the top, top grades, like an A plus or an ex- like excellence in everything for high school. But I was like, I'm playing sport, I'm playing representative sport, I'm, you know, volunteering, I'm working part time. So I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, not being the best at one particular thing, you know, which most of us, it's usually academics, which is pushed, right? But being like, okay, I can, I can be a well-rounder. And I think that's what you need as you come to university. And I think that's what they want is someone who, you know, because as much as I had said, you know, when you come down to university, there's always going to be a point for people where they struggle and they're like, oh, this sucks. I hate it. But if you have those other things like sport, like music, part-time job, whatever it is, if you have that to fall on, then you can go, okay, sweet. I can focus on this for a bit. And then the grades will bounce back, you know, but if you're, only focus is academics and you're never gonna you know as soon as that drops you have this identity crisis of oh you know what do i do now hard out bro and a lot of people have talked about you know um those moments where they lose that thing that you know made them them whether it was academics whether it's powerlifting, whether it's um gymnastics it's once their essence of who they were is taken away, then they get in a real bad rut and it, it's so hard to come out of. But like you say, if you have those other things that you can still be a part of that takes your focus away from that, then eventually you do bounce back and it's not all bad. Mm. What would you say was the biggest sort of learning curve you took coming from Taranaki um, down to Dunedin in your first year? I guess, you know, if I think about the values that I learned from Taranaki, I guess my biggest, the biggest value that has helped me down here is just how tight knit Taranaki is as a community, you know, and how you can implement that down there in terms of making friends and stuff like that. Because I think because Taranaki is so spread out, sometimes you feel like, you know, like it is a big uh, region, but it isn't overwhelming because we're all spread out. But you know, all those major events, you still see the community come together as one, you know, whether it's a rugby game, the Festival of Lights, whatever it is, you know, everything's celebrated in Taranaki. And I think that's the other thing that I really, you know, kept as I came down here, because I think once you come to university, there's almost this, you know, social norm where you don't necessarily celebrate everyone's successes. You know, you're always like, oh, how can I be better than this person how can I be better than that person because you think oh if I'm better than this person then that's going to lead me to a job or that's going to lead me to another opportunity but you know Taranaki it's everyone celebrates everything it's not a matter of you know because everyone has a different level of success and I think that's something that I brought down here and was like okay this is you know you should be celebrating that and there's I understand there's different um you know growing up different values that people have and I think I was very fortunate that, you know, being from Taranaki, being so supported, I was able to have that freedom because that's not the case for everyone. Oh, hard out, bro. And like you say, uh, up here, it is like community hard up here. Um, there's so many different events that everyone attends. And you might not know everyone in Taranaki, but as soon as you say that you're from Taranaki and you're in a different region, you're like, oh, we're about to. And you just make all those small mm. connections, which I think is so special. And I love that you touched on how so often everyone's so quick to tear another person down to 
propel themselves to success rather than celebrate the bro, celebrate the sis as they succeed. Just because, you know, it's a, a rainy day for you doesn't mean that you should rain on everyone else's parades. Mm. Uh, that, that's why I think, you know, people these days get a little bit too toxic and we should embrace one another and uplift and thrive on each other's success. There's plenty of room at the table for everyone to eat. We shouldn't be mm. trying to fight over the same piece of pie, eh? Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, like I think there's a difference between being inspired from by one another to making it a challenge, you know, like obviously there's going to be people that are competitive and there's, you know, of course everyone always wants to do better, but you're not doing yourself any good if you're not, you know, but, you know, rewarding other people for their successes because then you've chased too hard on the, Oh, when am I going to get my accolades? When am I going to get my appreciation? And nothing's ever going to satisfy that want you know as much as you try it just never will 100% agree man and um I think the first time I actually as, as corny as it sounds is the first time I actually learned and truly appreciated that was um love yours by J. Cole when I listened to the lyrics and that like that's when I finally put it together and was like yeah I gotta stop trying to be like oh, I want this because you know Tani's got a PlayStation 5 I need a PlayStation 5 Tani's doing honors I gotta do honors you know uh, it is fun and healthy to have competition but it's mm. never um, healthy to have in your head someone else's success as your milestone because like mm. you said you'll never reach that as hard as you try because that will always shift to someone else if okay cool i got what tani's got now um i don't know benja has got this i need to achieve this and then tarina's got this i need to achieve this or jerry's got this and i got to achieve that it's it's, it's never ending cycling it's just mm. toxic eh? yeah and that, and that's the thing it's only going to burn more bridges than it is you know create relationships and foster connections because you know i've had times where i'm like oh you know like this is good and you chase all those things but you realize if you're going to chase all these things, you're not going to have time to keep those connections and, you know, and that's unfortunate. So you want to try and find that healthy balance where you're right. You're still challenging yourself to be a better person, but also finding time to foster those relationships because those relationships are only going to last if you put something into it. Hard out, man. And relationships are hard enough to maintain as it is. Like, once you leave university and your friend group disperses, now you're sort of left with, oh man, I've got to, I've got to message the bro or the bro's got to message me and we've got to try and catch up. So if you're constantly shitting on those people, then your friend group or your, your circle that you were once close with now has become a lonely island and you're eating mm. dinner alone. Yeah, and that's I think that's going to be the next chapter for me, you know, and that's been my contemplation over summer is, you know, finishing my degree and then, for me, going into postgrad studies where a lot of them are, you know, either going into the workforce or just taking a break or traveling, you know, it's it's like, oh, well, you know, now I've got to try and maintain those connections, which doesn't necessarily have to be a hard thing and it doesn't have to be something I do all the time. But it's, again, readjusting to that idea, you know, similar to when you leave high school and you're like, oh, I'm leaving all my high school mates and, you know, some of them are staying home, some of them are going to other unis or, you know, WIT or Polytech or whatever it might be. So... But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to it's going to be a reciprocal relationship, right? And you're going to figure out who, you know, as as hard as it is, you know, there's people who you'll have the best connection in person, but once they leave, it just dwindles. And that's not to say that that friendship still isn't there. It just means that, you know, like 
you just don't have that relationship you know if it's distant and that's that's absolutely fine and there's other people that you didn't realize you know you had such a strong connection until they leave and then they're messaging all the time and you realize that relationship's quite strong so it's going to be an interesting you know year to see that readjustment for sure yeah bro and you'll soon learn you know um the people that are really worth your time moving forward and and not to say that there are you know you just throw away all the former friendships and relationships that you formed that aren't as tight anymore it's just sometimes what i've learned from that situation is that not everyone's into social media catch-ups they prefer face-to-face catch-ups mm. and that energy when you do catch up again will be exactly how it was when you left but yeah it's how do you maintain that in that space of limbo when you're out there still achieving your things and they're achieving their things how do you still maintain those relationships it's a a tricky place to be sometimes because eh? you're constantly in a frame of oh have i upset them or mm. you know have, have, have i not reached out in too long of a time that is that friendship no longer there but one thing i've learned bro is that if you're a good enough person people will always you know have time of day no matter how long Mm. it's been they'll always have time of day for anyone yeah and i think that's what i found you know especially my first year there were a couple of close mates that stayed back home and i was like oh you know is that is this connection gonna last but yeah, and we like we still send snaps and stuff like that, but you know it's pretty superficial. None, you know, you don't get into those deep conversations. But then I go home and you know we catch up and spend two, three hours just talking about the last six months and what's happened and you know what's happening. And it's it's like I haven't left, and that's you know that's the cool thing to think uh, to see, but also to learn. You know that you don't have to have those conversations all the time, but it's also as you say finding that right balance between. Yeah, and not being too pushy where you're like, you know, it feels like you need the connection more than actually just, you know, having that connection, but also, you know, doing it enough that the person feels like you still care about the connection. So definitely a hard balance to find. Yeah, man. Hey, when you figure it out, let me know because I'm still working (laughs) on it, man. (laughs) Hey, but shout out to all our friends, you know, no matter where you guys are in in the world, we're still here. Hit us up. Amen. So one thing I've noticed about you is that you, you are quite uh, an intense work. I'll, I'll call it intense, man, because when I was there, you were um, in so many, involved in so many different co-papa while still maintaining quite a high level um, academic grade throughout some of your papers, or the one I marked in particular. How did you maintain all of that? And oh, little oh. the listeners know as well what what all the things you're involved in because bro it was a lot. Yeah, I think, I guess from first year I kind of learnt that you know like, as much as it is daunting to you know step into this new environment and stuff like that, I think one thing I've learnt is you know people are always willing to say yes you know for you to take up these opportunities and if they aren't wanting you to take it up or can't help you themselves then they'll be like oh I can't help you but there's this person you could go see or you could go do this and so I've always been willing to take up those opportunities and so in first year it just started with like volunteering and stuff like that Um, and then second year it increased Um, I looked to start the hands-on scholarship for Taranaki which we can talk on later if you want Um, I joined the exec for SPEC so sport and exercise science um which again was allowing me to get that leadership role in some aspect uh, within the uni. 
uh, I started a podcast, so Baskets of Knowledge, which I never thought I would start a podcast. I never thought <clears throat> that would be a realm I would go down, but here I am. I think we've done 65 episodes or something, and it's just, it will continue to grow and continue to go. So that's just been another, you know, thing. But I think, you know, with volunteering, with, um, I've now been a subwarden at Studham College and president of the exec, um, done a range of volunteering while also, yeah, playing sports. Uh, I played rugby in first year and then second year I didn't pursue it because I was, you know, I was doing too many things and I thought it was finally a time for me to, you know, reset and find my passion again for rugby. You know, I'd played all the way from year five, year six, all the way through um, intermediate high school. And so when I came down first year, it was a huge shock in terms of the culture of rugby down here, you know, how prominent they are and how strong it is down here. Um, and so it was just a way for me to rekindle that relationship. And last year I, was, I managed to get back into uh, senior rugby and then I started playing rugby league as well, which is probably where my passion lies the most. You know, I've I played growing up until under-17s, but in Taranaki there's no um, cults that then leads into prems, you know, it's just straight into the prem grade. And, you know, only being 17 at the time, I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. And especially for the positions I play, I was just like, nah, I need to, I can, you know, I could still play rugby. So that was my focus. But I guess if I lead back to the balance question, it's, it's not always easy. And I guess, you know, there's definitely been times where people have been like, oh, you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't, um, you know, you should take a step back. And I think <laughs> as, as hard as it sounds and as cliche as it sounds, you know, when people say that I'm usually like, oh, no, nah, I can do it. And so I'll try and prove them wrong and do it you know but it's it's trying to find that healthy medium and there's definitely been times where I've either lacked the motivation or got to the point where you know kind of like the movie yes man you know he's Jim Carrey says yes to everything and it gets to the point where you know he doesn't know why he's saying yes anymore and I guess I did get to that point as well where you know I was doing volunteering but I was like why am I actually here you know is it because I you know, I enjoy it or is it because I just think it's the right thing to do and the right thing to be doing with my time. And so, you know, as I move into this year as well, yes, I'm taking on more responsibilities, but I'm being more proactive in terms of what I'm choosing to do, you know, and doing things that I'm really passionate about because, you know, I had a lot of learnings last year and I think one of them was learning that you saying no isn't, you know, you don't have to see it as a disappointment for you because you're actually opening a door for somebody else to take up that opportunity or take up that role. And that might be their first opportunity, you know? So, you know, as much as we dwell on, oh, I wish I could do more, being able to see it as a positive for somebody else and being like, nah, this person's going to do an amazing job in that role. And, you know, you can always reassess as well as the other thing, you know, if you want to take up more roles and stuff like that. But my challenge always to everyone is just, to take up those opportunities because you don't, you know, if you, if you're always going to put that barrier of, Oh, no, nah, I won't be able to do it. Then the answer is always going to be no. But if you push yourself or, you know, all it takes is sending an email, sending a message to someone and being like, Hey, you know, am I able to do this? You know, nine times out of 10, the person's going to say yes, but people don't see it that way. You know, people just see it as, Oh, there's people out there that are better than me that can do better things. And so, yeah, it's really been it's like it's it's been challenging, but it's been a really enjoyable time to be able to do all these things. 
hard out. I love what you said there too about, you know, saying no is not sort of letting anyone down, especially yourself, but creates an opportunity for someone else. I love that sentiment because I used to think like that too. It's just like, oh man, if I say no, then far, who else is going to do it? Mm. Far, so I might as well have to just be me. When in reality, yeah, it's an opportunity for someone else to either step up or have, have an opportunity for someone else to succeed in that role, man. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. And yeah, like it's, it's been a big, you know, few years in terms of taking up all the, all these roles and stuff like that. But I think, you know, my, my question is always, why not? You know, what, what else would I be doing that's more productive? And like, my days are full, but you know, nighttime, I'm not really doing anything outside of sports. And I think it's about finding something that makes you happy and something you enjoy. And for me, that's always doing things, you know, if I get a day off where I have nothing to do, I kind of just sit there and go, Oh, you know, like, what, what do I do? What am I, you know, why am I wasting this time? And yes, there's times for me where I just need to chill, chill a bit and, you know, do, do whatever, you know, watch a movie, whatever it might be. But most of the time I just like to go and that's the person I am. But for other people, you know, they just choose those few roles that they really want and they thrive in that. So again, it comes down to personal preference. I 100% agree with you there. Um, some people can thrive doing a million things at once and others find it a little bit overwhelming, but they excel at the few things that they really do. So like you say, whatever sort of spectrum you're in, go hard at it and, mm. and just as long as you enjoy it, eh? that's the main thing. And I think that's the message that's often missed, you know, like, even as I, you know, so second year I took up lab demonstrating and um, tutoring as well. And, you know, so it was a big jump for me, but the students would ask me certain questions or, you know, they'd be like, oh, how do you, how do you do all this? But I think that's also been the positive thing for me is being able to show people that it is possible to do all these things. Because I think, you know, without those people, you, you have nothing to guide you, you know? And that doesn't mean that I have to talk to every single one, you know, every single person and be like, this is what is possible, but it's more just being that person that they go, ah, oh, you know, it is possible to do these things at this age or, you know, to push those boundaries that you think are there because most of the time they're not, you know, and there will always be someone that backs you up and that, you know, it might be the people you least expect, but you know, if you're not pushing yourself out there, you're never going to truly know. Hard. Like I say, just why not? Why not get out there and give it a try? If it's not for you, it's not for you. At least you learn. Why not? For sure. And that and that was the other thing is, um, you know, like I, being in the volunteering space was awesome. But then I'd have people coming to me and being like, oh, I've been told I should, you know, come do volunteer or I should go do volunteering because it would be good on my CV. And oh, I should, you know, take up placement or coach a primary school or do this or do that because it's not enough to just have my degree. And I think it's getting to the point where you're putting too much pressure on these young people to achieve these things, you know, like, yes, it's great if you have all that extra stuff, but take it all away. And we'd rather, you know, see people that are just enjoying what they're doing, not just doing it for the sake of doing it, because that was something that I really reflected on and still reflect on as I go into my honors year, you know, like, as you say, with me having, you know, pretty good grades, I could do honours and, you know, pass it and do fine, but that's not what I want out of honours. I want to do study that actually means something to not only me, but the people that I'm doing the study for, doing the research for. And that's something that people often miss, you know, and because this pressure is on us as young people to, 
you know, have our life sorted and, oh, what career are you going to get out of that? Where, you know, where's your five-year, 10-year plan? Who cares about that? You know, focus on one year and just come down here and enjoy it because it's not going to last forever. So you might as well do it. And, you know, even for the parents who, you know, put the pressure on the child and the, and the kids come down here and they're like, oh, I wish I, you know, I want to do something else, but this is what my parents want. Your parents are happy when you're happy. And even if they can't see it immediately, they will see it down the, you know, down the track when they realize, oh, you know, this is what they're really passionate about. 100% bro. Like you said, too often is there so much pressure on um, young people to be a certain way, to be married by 25, have kids by 28, have their own house by 30, even in this housing market, mm-hmm. nothing like that is possible. <laughs> but, you know, all these unrealistic expectations, when in reality, if you want to travel, go travel. If you want to study, go study, because these years are the most fun you'll ever have, because you're not locked into a, a contract, you're not locked into a mortgage you're not locked into all these payments all you're doing is just trying to live your life and get ahead before you get locked into all that stuff and like my uni days were the best days me and all my friends we still reminisce on it a lot of the guests that come on this podcast still reminisce on it and there's not one moment we were like man i wish i um did that community work instead of going to play golf with you guys or mm. man i really really got that i didn't come to that party that time and stayed home and i don't know baked cookies you know just and that's, take the yeah. opportunities and that's the message i try to portray as well you know i say to people especially first years coming in i'm like in 10 years you know is it going to be you know oh i wish i got an a plus instead of a b plus or is it going to be you reflecting on the memories that you had, you know, it's the same concept as if we look back on intermediate or the start of high school, you know, we strive so hard to try and get a merit or an excellence or just pass those papers. But I look back on that and I'm like, it really didn't matter. You know, like at the end of the day, um, I am where I am and that's all that matters. But I think too often it's, oh, you need to do better. You need to do better. But there has to be a point to which you're happy with, you know, what you are achieving hard and like what is better what is better is better you know academically great but your whole water is is terrible Mm. like for me the three things that i need to achieve is happiness health and here being here alive in the presence Mm. so that's what i always tell people is just you know as long as you're happy you're here um, you're healthy then nothing else matters man and that's the thing, you know, you think in the short term that it's going to be good, but always in the long term, you always see that something's fallen off that is within your, you know, usual um, routine. You know, for me, I know something's wrong if I, you know, if I'm not playing sports or at least being active most days because that's what I enjoy. Or if I haven't called my mum in a couple of weeks, you know, because that's the, that's the connection that, you know, I always try and call her at least once a week, if not twice a week to just you know, check in and we don't always have to talk long, but it's, you know, I know if I haven't talked to them in a few weeks that I'm stressing about something and, you know, sometimes you don't know it's there, eh? You just, it happens and then you're like, oh, why am I, you know, you need a, there always needs to be some grounding point that you go, oh, this is what I need to get back to so I can reset. Hard, bro, hard. And I'm the same, man. Just quick phone call home. Everything's reset and you 
not ready to charge back at it again, but <laughs> you kind of had a, a more clear mindset as to what you need to get done in order to get back to who you are when you operate. Mm. So let's touch on that, um, the co-papa that you did with the university for Taranaki. Yeah, so it was, if I reflect on how it started, I never really thought it was going to get to the point it is today. You know, I started it thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's, I got us. So I came down to hands on at Otago and I got a Potama scholarship, which is for Māori students to come down and see the University of Otago. And as I say, you know, it was the whole reason I came down here. And, you know, even if I didn't come down here, it taught me, you know, that I could be outgoing, I could get to know more people and I could do all these things. So it gave me much more than, you know, just being able to come down. And so when I went into first year and after lockdown and everything like that, I thought, you know, like, it's awesome that I got to come down on this opportunity. But there's people that don't fit the scholarship categories of Māori, Pacifica. Um, there's a performing arts scholarship, uh, like a um, disability uh, scholarship. And I think there's one other category as well. But, you know, I said, um, especially growing up in Taranaki, you know, as you said, outside of Boys High, Girls High, Francis Douglas and Sacred Heart, a lot of the other schools are, you know, mid to low decile. And I was like, you know, these students are capable of doing so many things and coming from one of those schools, you know, we are capable of doing these things. But, you know, I look back and I'm like, I wouldn't have paid the money to come down to the University of Otago, you know, other side of the country, you know, for something that I didn't even know if I was going to come to the university. So that was my whole idea behind it. And so I reached out to Pradesh, who's, who is our liaison officer, and was like, you know, what are the chances of making this happen? And he was like, cool, we'll just, you know, let's figure it out. So we figured out what we needed, you know, how much money we needed if we were going to sponsor a kid, um, how, you know, how we would store the money. And so many things I've learned just by starting this scholarship, you know, like simple things like, oh, where do we hold the money? Because, you know, how do I go to businesses and be like, oh, you need to trust this money in a 18, 19-year-old you know guy that you don't really know it will be sweet don't worry about it so that was a whole learning curve in itself um figuring out you know once you do get sponsors you know to thank them and how can you show that relationship in terms of you know supporting you know for all the things i've given you how what are simple ways that you can thank them you know whether it's putting their logos on the certificate and all the advertising to show that they've sponsored it and sending out a thank you card and stuff like that and connecting when I go back home, you know, all those kinds of things that I had to learn. And it did get to a point where I didn't think it was going to happen because I sent out, I say between 200 and 300 emails to different businesses, you know, going, oh, you know, it was the same blurb, but you change it up for each business and you go, oh, this is what it is. But especially because it's something new, you know, it's, you know, how do you ask that connection? But again, you know, going back to those connections, the first sponsor that jumped on board, um, I went to school with uh, her younger son. And so, you know, like we, I, I knew of him, we weren't, you know, we played volleyball together. I, we weren't really too close, but because she had that knowledge and knew that it was a good course, she jumped, she jumped on and that was the beginning, you know, that was like, awesome. All right. Now we've got the money she's willing to pay to sponsor one kid to come down. And that was such a breakthrough in itself, you know, to go, you know, oh, we're going to see one kid come down here and if nothing more comes of it, 
that's awesome because that's one more kid that you know probably wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise and so from there it was sorting out all the logistics of you know what what are we going to ask in the application and how are we going to choose um, the student that comes down all these other things but um we eventually figured it out and now we pretty much have a pretty streamlined process you know we we need to get a bit of feedback um on a few small things but we think it's pretty good and so um last year well two years ago we awarded the first scholarship uh to jamie white from uh spotswood college and so that was an awesome um i was real lucky that the timing worked out and me and Prajesh were both in taranaki start of november so we could actually award the scholarship in person and that was such an amazing feeling and you know the emotions that he was going through and his mum and you know it was just it showed all the hard work of you know sending the emails figuring out all the stuff all of it was worth it to you know just see him have this opportunity which otherwise would never have been possible and so unfortunately he couldn't come down because um during that january period it was going between orange level and red level and so it was like oh you know if we have 400 kids down here from all across the country and we go into red you know what are we going to do and you know a few weeks before uni starts how would we do it all so it ended up getting like an online version so unfortunately it didn't come down but we still you know awarded the scholarship so he could put it in applications and stuff and we still reached out to make those connections and stuff like that so that was all meaningful we got more sponsors and then uh in august last year we done the same process of going through the scholarships all that kind of stuff and then um again chose our uh award winner uh kamia who's from watata high and so Pradesh was able to go in and you know award the scholarship to her unfortunately you know due to exams and then finishing like my subordinate duties i couldn't go back up home myself but you know it was i could still we, i jumped on uh, video call and talked to her briefly and stuff like that and so on the at the hands-on just been um because i've been helping out since i um done it as a uh, high school student uh, i was able to see her come down and see her make the most of the opportunities and stuff like that and it's just priceless eh, to think how how much it means to her you know and how much she's taking away from the week so it's been something I'm really passionate about. And with that finishing, I said the next goal is to expand it to different regions and, you know, see how we can expand it because there's no reason why we can't now take it to, you know, other regions that struggle to get students and, you know, those rural areas, those, you know, low decile schools, just invite them in and see where it goes. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been, a, it's been a journey. It's definitely been one of those things where, you know, it's, there was no one else, you know, it's not like studying for uni or sport or anything like that. I couldn't just turn to a mate and go, oh, how are you going with starting that scholarship? Because it's not something that everyone does. But, you know, hopefully I've laid, laid that foundation now where people can see that it is possible because, you know, even just a scholarship in itself, I think of, you know, it's always older alumni, um, predominantly, you know, white and, you know, well off so they can sponsor the scholarship themselves. So, I think that's the other meaningful part is it's not about me. It's not about me giving back and getting, you know, the accolades. It's about, you know, it's a, it's a community thing. And that, you know, goes back to what we talked about at the start about Taranaki being a community. And that's what I want to bring out is, you know, scholarships are good 
you know, whatever format they come from, but to have a community scholarship where you have, you know, local businesses supporting local students to go and see those aspirations without any pressure of, oh, if you get the scholarship, you have to, you know, do this or you have to do a certain project or you have to go to the uni, you know, you have to be wanting to go to the University of Otago. Who cares about that stuff? Just give these kids an opportunity to show them that it's possible, you know? I rate that so much, man. It's so amazing the things that you're doing because a lot of those kids, like you say, at, at Spotswood, Waitara and the rest of our schools here in Taranaki, a lot of a lot of us don't get the opportunity to explore outside of the region and we don't get stuck here, but we kind of see that this is the only place to go. So we'll just stay here. So having that opportunity where you're, you know, removing a barrier for some of these students to go down there, check it out and get a week of experience, get to, you know, be stress-free, live, uh, you know, a happy enjoy <laughs> enjoyment of, you know, a university experience without the pressure of, oh, my God, I'm at uni, this is first day. Where's my mm. lecture? Where do I got to go for this? It's, 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 you know, it's like a fun uh, environment where you get to hang out, meet new people, get out of your skin. And I love that you've got the community involved, bro. I love that you've got the community involved. And so there's still room to expand within the community. People can donate yeah. a bit more or more yeah. businesses. Yeah, we're involved. definitely still looking to reach out to sponsors. And I think, you know, that's something we've talked on now is, you know, how do we connect all our sponsors in because we, you know, originally we set it up to the scholarship for the year and then it was like, okay, now that we've, you know, at least we know we're sponsoring one kid, how do we try and create an endowment so that it will carry over in the future, you know, so we don't have to every year constantly reach out and be like, oh, we need more sponsors, oh, we need more sponsors, but create that connection. And so the thing now is about maintaining that momentum that it's got and, you know, we've just reached out to Kamiya to get some uh, with questions to, you know, see what her experience was. And I think that's the other thing is, you know, reflecting on how the scholarships helped, but also talking about, you know, some of the challenges she faced when she came down, because I think that brings real, you know, realness to the actual situation, because, you know, you look at all these programs and things that universities run or tertiary providers, they run all these amazing things and they promote all the good. And, you know, that's awesome. But it's also bringing that realness of, hey, you know, there are going to be things that everyone struggles with. They're all going to be different, but there is going to be something, you know, whether it is meeting lots of people because it's a huge environment or, you know, a culture shock for some people in terms of coming down and, you know, meeting people from all different walks of life. So just small things like that and, yeah, making it a reality that this is actually going to happen too, not to scare people away, but to just be open and honest about these kinds of things. Ah, because, yeah, when you first get to university, it's, it's, it's a whole new world, especially Otago. It's a whole new <laughs> world down there, man. <laughs> Considering, you know, coming up here in Taranaki, we don't get a lot of what they got going on down there. Yeah. But it, it's so different. And like you say, having the good is always great, you know, but you always know that it's going to be there. Whereas if you can um, understand the challenges and those are the things that you guys can look at how can we improve this how can we make that experience better eh? so this can only get better as time goes on like you said you've only had it going around for what the past two years yeah two years yeah yeah so bro it can only get bigger and better and as you expand not just within taranaki but out to other regions bro it's gonna be on to see i can't wait to see it blow up in future yeah i i hope so i think 
<laughs> that's always been the challenge for me is, you know, where do you stop? And that's not to say that, you know, it's a bad thing that we keep expanding, but you want to do it enough so that you don't lose sight of what your initial goal was, you know, which was to create these opportunities. Because I know as I expand to the regions or get to know more students and stuff like that, you know, it's how do you, you know, where's the, where do the barriers lie and where do you, you know, keep it within? Because I've also, you know, had ideas of what if it wasn't just the scholarship for this, you know, because there's all these other universities, how do you, you know, there's no scholarships at the moment that I know of that are open scholarships that you go, okay, you know, tell us something you've applied for, you know, what is your purpose behind applying for that? And, you know, if we think that your kopapa is strong and that you, you know, will give you the money to sponsor you for that, you know, there's nothing specific like that. And I think that's, you know, again, it's, it's just dropping that barrier. And I think, you know, it's often money that we don't like to talk about, but it is the biggest barrier there. Money is the root of all evil, as they say. It is not having it is bad, but having too much is also bad. Mm -hmm. So it's like, where the hell do you lie? Where's the middle? Um, huge challenges for you guys to figure out in the coming years, but definitely uh, excited for it. And uh, I'll be keen to jump in once 99 Dreams takes off a bit more. But I will come sponsor some money towards the co-papa because like i said man taranaki is a community and we all got to help other people you know at least get an opportunity to experience some mm. of the things that we've experienced because although a lot of the guests on this podcast have all been academics it's still such a huge privilege to attend university and even more so to complete a degree whether it be undergrad or postgrad studies just completing <laughs> One is, you know, a huge accomplishment in itself, and we are in quite a privileged position ourselves. So anything to help out Tarangatahi um, either achieve their dreams or realise that university is not for them. Mm, for sure. And, and, yeah, that's the thing, you know, it goes both ways. And I think that's the thing that I learnt, and that was probably another, you know, underlying factor of why I wanted to start something like this was because, you know, coming from Spotswood College, the message was always, you know, being a lower decile school, once you were 16, it was like, if you don't want to be here, find a job and, you know, go work, don't stay here, don't, you know, waste our time, essentially was the message. And for me, I was like, you know, that's all good and well, but there's people out there that, you know, they don't go to university, but they probably could have, they probably could have done all these amazing things, but they just never got given the chance, you know, so I've gone back a few, a few times back to school when, you know, the teachers have been like, oh, is it all right if you talk to, you know, the whole senior school, not just, you know, like year 13 or, you know, a certain year level. And I'm like, no, nah, that's cool. That's what I want, you know, because I said as much as I'm, you know, I'm getting better now at public speaking, but I was always scared and nervous and hated public speaking. But I think if I can get a one across to one kid, you know, then the whole, you know, going through all that is worth it. But at the same time, it's about you know, why not bring all these kids in? You know, the kids that don't want to go to university or, you know, already have something else lined up in their life, they're not going to focus whether they have to come to the, you know, these presentations or not. But there's going to be, you know, maybe a handful of kids that you go, you do that talk, and they were never thinking about university, but something that you said, and you don't know what it was, but something you said stuck with them and made them look into university. And again, whether that, translates to them coming to university or whether it was just sparking that thought at least you gave them the opportunity to make that decision for them instead of you know because 
I think about it, you know, even when I would hear, oh, this person's coming from another university, I wouldn't go because I was just like, I'm not interested in that university. But if I had gone to those, you know, talks, I probably would have at least looked into them a bit more thought, oh, it actually offers a course that I'm interested in or, you know, it could have sparked anything. And I think to take that away from students is doing a disservice to them, you know, at least give them the opportunity to sit there and, you know, maybe they will take something away from it. Hard out, bro. A hundred percent. And like teachers, I don't know if they still do it, but yeah, like you see when you went to school and when I went to school, they hundred percent said, look, if you're only here to eat your lunch and piss around then school length, you go get a job or go do something else, mm. you know, go to the meatworks, go work somewhere, go become a builder or something. Never would they ever think that, oh yeah, that kid's got something you know, mm. we'll bring him along, but he doesn't pay attention to my class. So because he doesn't, I'll berate him a little bit to try and discourage him from trying to pursue further research or further study, sorry. But it's those opportunities where students like yourself go into schools and they have that opportunity to speak. And I think that year 11 should be listening to these university speeches mm. so that they can set their papers up in year 12 and 13 to direct them into the courses that they need to get into otherwise i think year 13 as great as it is i think it might just be a little bit too late because you might mm. be like oh i didn't want to do that i wanted to do this yeah. but my papers don't align yeah and and that's the thing you know it's it's planting that seed early that oh this is a possibility and you know even in year 11 you don't have to figure it all out straight away but it's just being open to those conversations and making it normal, you know, because that's the other thing is, you know, for me growing up, I'm the first in my immediate family to go to uni. And so, you know, it's not something you can just, I, you know, for me, I couldn't just go to my parents or, you know, my siblings and be like, oh, you know, what's it like? Oh, what do I have to do? It was something that I needed to grasp on early. So I had time to adjust to this idea and make it a you know normal thing that was just, you know, the next step in the journey. And you know, some people are fortunate and they've had, you know, their whole family's gone to university and that's awesome. But it's also, you know, how do you bridge that gap between everyone? So everyone has at least a starting, you know, starting foundation of, okay, this is what university has to offer for me and not just something that's a blanket approach to everyone, but something that, you know, sticks with each individual. Hard, bro. And I think, yeah, that's where you're filling in that gap in a, in a way with going into the school, delivering a speech, or, although you're growing into it, man, which is great, <laughs> going from year 13s to now the senior senior school. But also that scholarship as well just adds those different layers to be able to just say, here you guys go, it's not impossible. And it, I know it's not for everyone, but it's not impossible. It's achievable. And even if people had to take a gap year, we've had... Uh, lots of whānau come on this uh, mm. podcast so far that have said that they've taken a gap year and it's some of the best times of their life. Um, Danny, the most recent, who said she took a gap year, she's studying dentistry now. So yeah. you don't have to go straight out of high school into uh, university if you want to go into health, side, med, uh, dentistry or anything like that. Whānau, you can take your time. It's mm. not going anywhere. And I think that's, you know, the other thing is it always comes back to connection. You know, I think, especially in today's society, you know, we kind of push people through, oh, you know, this is the next thing you got to do. And then oh, off to the next thing and off to the next thing. But creating those connections where it's not just about that one-off thing, but 
you know, trace, you know, tracking further down, you know, like there's juniors from my school that I still keep in touch with. And I'm like, oh, you know, what are you, do- what are you up to now? And it doesn't take much energy for me to do that, but it means the world to them to be like, oh, you know, this person actually cares beyond the here and now. And I think as I've, you know, grown into my Māori identity, I reflect on that as, you know, the power of whanaungatanga and building those relationships. And that's, you know, something that I didn't know I held so strong to me, but it's something that always comes out as I reflect on things is, you know, because people will be like, oh, why do you, how do you, why do you keep those connections? Why do you, you know, carry it on after they've gone past that experience? But it's, as I say, you know, it's, it's something that doesn't take much from me, but even just connecting with those younger students and going, oh, how's, you know, how's it going with your application process or scholarships and stuff like that? You know, I don't need all the nitty gritty details, but at least by reaching out, they're like, oh, I have someone I can talk to who understands that process. And that means a lot to a lot of people. Um, I had a mentor um, when I'd done a leadership award and, you know, that's something she said to me as well was, she, I think her dad worked in a uh, some space, but anyway, she was saying, you know, he says just how much it means if you know someone's name, you know, and it comes, you know, directly back to the core why nor why. If you know just something small about someone, you know, I'm working with um, uh, primary school kids at the moment in after school care, and you know, if I don't if I don't get to know who they are, it's pretty hard to get them all together and get them to listen to you. But if I know someone's name and I know something about them. They they feel that connection immediately, and they're going to respect you more for it. Hard out, man, and there's no truer sentiment than just the smallest thing as remembering their name, saying "Geldathani, how are you doing today?" It just oh, mm. they know they remembered me, or they <laughs> they know my name. That was one of the biggest things I learned from Specs Two Hundred Six being mm. involved in that paper is. As hard as it is to remember over 123 students, it's still so important just to remember the name. And if you have to pause a little bit and be like, Tane, that's it. How's it going, brother? How are you? It, it just makes a difference because they know that you're going, oh, okay, it's not Brian, it's not Daniel, it's not Bruce, it's Tane, there it is. There we go. Names are such a powerful thing and it, it, it's such a weird sentiment that a name holds so much power mm. but it really does just that simple act of respect day eh? and i think it comes from being in a world that's so full of information you know you get so much communication from different things and social media and this and that that you know just having that name there signifies oh i'm more than just you know another person to them i'm actually you know i actually have a name i actually have a meaning yeah hard out bro what would you say is out of all of that experience up to now been the most useful to you in terms of understanding your research co-papa coming into your honours? It's a good question. I think just having a purpose is the main thing, you know, like if I strip away everything else, you know, for me, it doesn't matter whether I get a publication out of it or whether I don't you know or whether I get good grades in it all I want is to you know be confident in myself that I'm you know confident in my capabilities but also that I'm creating an environment that's important for the students the people I'm working for you know so that it has more meaning than just another study that's happening for a particular reason and I think 
you know, through the summership that I'm doing at the moment, that's really solidified that because although I always, you know, knew that and as I was making a decision towards honors, I knew that I wanted a co-papa that I related to and that I was passionate about. And that was quite tough, right? Because I, um, when I was narrowing down what I wanted to research going into honors, I was, you know, I was always drawn to physiology because I really respect Jim and the way that he connects with his students and goes out of his way to, you know, support his students. But as much as I wanted him to be my supervisor, I just couldn't find anything within physiology that I was truly passionate about. And that's what I said, you know, yes, I'm disappointed that I can't work un under him, but that doesn't mean that I can't go and talk to him throughout the year about my co-papa and, you know, I've found something that I'm passionate about and I also have a good supervisor. So I'm very fortunate that I can go into that space. But I guess also, you know, going back to this whole idea that I like to challenge things is that, you know, going into the research, I was like, I want to do something that means something to me, not something that, oh, a researcher, you know, this is the next step for them. Yes, it's easy in terms of, you know, you know what your co-papa is from the start and you can go in without all these struggles of, oh, what am I actually doing? What do I actually want to get out of this? But, you know, at the end of the day, when I finish it all, I know I'll be proud that I've stepped into this space and challenged myself to do something that I actually want to do. Wow, straight up. Best answer you could ever give, man, because I was on the same thing. I was like, because I come into honours at the same time as Tash and Ashton, and they were under gym, and they had their set co-papa, so they knew what they were up to, and I was under AMJ, and mm -hmm. my co-papa was kind of shaky because I was like, oh, I want it to be about this, but I want it to be about this because this is what I'm really interested in, which was Purako and Māori mental health slash identity, mm -hmm. and so that's what I was kind of moulded moulding it around, and like you said, bro, it, by the end of it, I didn't really care that I didn't have the analytics that everyone else was producing i didn't have the tables the stats what i had was um a dissertation that i was proud of by the end of it uh, i got everything i wanted to be put into it i got to have myself reflected in my research i could see um you know my fano in this research and so that was more important to me than the numbers the stats and having um the glory of a mm quote-unquote science um, dissertation as opposed to a, a Māori dissertation yeah. when in actual fact Mātauranga Māori is a science but it's not within the science category mm. because Mātauranga Māori is sort of all-encompassing. So, bro, what is your kaupapa, if you don't mind sharing with us? Yeah, so I've still been narrowing it down Um because, you know, it's been such a huge jump. And again, it's been good because, you know, I look to go for data collection at the end of this week, which is a huge step, you know, like most people aren't even thinking about their honours so enjoying their summer. But it's been something that I'm, you know, I'll look back on and be happy that I've done it. But basically what we're going to look at is uh, Healthy Active Learning, which is a current uh, government initiative in primary schools to increase physical activity. And what we want to see is whether this is um, one sustainable in terms of, you know, is it achieving the outcomes that we want to, but a specific focus on um, the outside school hours. So, you know, before school, after school, are kids actually increasing their physical activity in these areas as well? Because, you know, the research suggests that 
already inside school um, there's an increase in physical activity because of these initiatives but for me it's about how does it translate outside of the outside of the school hours you know because you know I think growing up because I was associated to a club and because I was confident in my abilities you know to go for a run or go to the gym coming down to university and leaving that school space I was confident to go and do physical activity by myself but a lot of people, you know, they need that comfort of school. And so once they, you know, once school's removed, if you go into the workforce or you go to tertiary education, a lot of people drop off their physical activity because they don't have it structured for them and they don't know what they're doing. And that's not, you know, that's not their fault. It's because we haven't taught them, you know, how to do it outside of school. You know, there's this contrast where at the moment we, you know, on one end, we don't support kids growing up enough to you know learn what physical activity means to them and find something that they're passionate about but at the same time we drown parents with so much information about oh we need to be doing this and you know your kids shouldn't be on the screen for more than two hours and they should be getting this much sleep and they should be eating this they should be doing this and it's just overwhelming you know we just need to keep it simple you know, go out and just play outside with a rugby ball, with a netball, with a soccer ball. And that's enough. That's all it means. But it's about taking that first step to go outside. And so that's what I want to see is, you know, is this actually worth the time in terms of obviously we're getting results in school and that's awesome. But outside these school hours is where the true value, I think, comes of being self-sufficient in your physical activity. Harder. This would be a mean research. We'll have to get you back on at the end of the year once we see what your findings are. So are you going to link up with some of the local clubs down there to see what the enrollment stats are like in terms of um, after school, kids going and playing sports and stuff like that? Um, so the main data collection is going to be down in Southland, down in Gore. So we've got four schools and we'll do like interviews and surveys and stuff like that, which they've already looked at. But I, you know, I'd love to look at those numbers too. And I think the other thing I want to do is do mixed methods, you know, because I obviously I understand that there's limitations to if you just done quantitative or if you just done qualitative. But if I can combine those, then I can get a real understanding, hopefully, of you know where these hours are coming from outside of school, you know, because that's the other thing they could just be doing um, physical activity outside the school hours, but still you know representing their school when you know their first fifteen, their first eleven, their you know whatever it is. So trying to actually figure out and that's going to be the hardest part is again you know back to the scholarship where do I stop myself in terms of you know this is only a year project but there's so many different avenues I want to look at in terms of you know for example these initiatives are usually taken up by lower decile schools because you know the government's giving them funding they're getting the support and so why would you not take it up but you know is that benefiting these kids or is it not and that's going to, you know, it opens so many different questions. And, you know, again, link, you know, same with the summership. It's how do you draw all those ideas, bring it back in and try and get it into something in a year. So that's going to be the next challenge. And I'm sure it will be an entertaining one. Yeah. Oh, bro, it's, it's, it's a journey, man. It's a journey. If I can <laughs> say that one piece of advice I will give you, bro, is don't try and rewrite the whole thing with only two weeks to go because that puts you under a hell of a lot of stress. You do a couple of 40-hour days, brother. Oh. It's not worth it, man. Yeah. It's not worth it. Oh. But it sounds like an amazing co-pop to be a part of, bro. And 
like I said, if you're free and available at the end of the year, I'd definitely be keen to get you back on and see what the results were in your dissertation, man, because this is an awesome co-pop. It's definitely needed, especially in mm. today's age where every kid is just stuck like this, looking at their tablets, their phones, um, computers. I've got a, a nephew, he's four turning five, and he, he is glued to his tablet, man. Uh, he'll play with toys for a little bit, ride a bike for a little bit, but then afterwards he's, he's glued back to his tablet. Mm. And I, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's just the way that this uh, generation is now because technology is so accessible. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing, right, is at the end of it, you know, what is, I guess that's the other thing is having a clear focus of what I want to get out of it at the end, you know, because you can go down those rabbit holes of you want to fix everything and you want to do everything, but it's only a year. So how do you draw that back in? And I guess that's the other question that's going to come up in it, right, is, you know, with technology being so prevalent for all these children, do they have to be doing the same recommended you know, physical activity that we've always suggested or is it going to change? And that's something that, you know, there's, there's going to be more questions than answers, I think, by the end of it. But that's the beauty of research, I guess. And that's why you always say at the end, this isn't final and there's always room for more research to be done in further years, which I will look into in <laughs> my master's and my PhD. Yeah, yeah. Bro, we have this um, segment here on the show where we get people to share a dream with us and we throw it into this dream deposit box. And it says on the box there, it's always remember when they doubted you. And it's from a Trey Young sneaker from Adidas. I love the sentiment because, you know, so many times in life we have someone somewhere that doubts us and says that we can't do something and we prove them wrong. So mm. I love this. And in here we have stored a whole bunch of dreams. I don't think we're quite at 99 yet, but... I hope I hope we achieve someone's dream before I get to ninety nine because man, I don't want to have like a hundred thirty six in here before I achieve one. But I'll read out some of the dreams just so you can think if you need time to think. Um, we have oh, uh, Ashton said he would love people to sort of pre check themselves before they go get surgery or before they go get clinical medication mm. to. Um, fix what's wrong with them he he'd like them to change their eating habits their exercise routines and stuff like that because he said nine times out of ten most um, illnesses are preventable through exercise and mm. healthy eating so that's one of his dreams um, jack nelson said he'd love to work for sport new zealand um, i wrote in there i'd love to write a book um, our mate barry aka bear king his I think still got the most heartfelt dream in here and all he wants to do, he's twenty six at the moment, is reach the age thirty. Mm. So I was like, bro, that's deep. That's yeah. deep. And sometimes we take that for granted. Mm. So what what's a dream of yours, brother? What do you have? It oh. doesn't have to just be one. You can have up to two or three. <laughs> I guess I have a few, but I guess if I think of, you know, one that probably sticks to me is, you know, the dream for me is to have an impact on our young people, you know, and being at the age I am where I can have that impact, you know, because, you know, before I know it, I'll be, you know, close to 30 and it won't be the same as if I, you know, talk to them now where I've just been through the journey and so I can, you know, still relate to that, you know, stress and nerves and excitement of wanting to go to university, but also 
know what it feels like to be on the other side you know so trying to have that impact while i'm at the age that i can have an impact i think is my yeah biggest aspiration at the moment that's beautiful so you would love to have an impact on rangatahi whilst you're still at a, a relatable level <laughs> yeah yeah before you become that oh hey uncle what are you going to say yeah yeah oh bro that's wicked man well how do you think you'll know when that's happened i think just trying to get into spaces that i can make it happen you know like i'm trying to take up more coaching roles and stuff like that this year and pursue new avenues that i can make it a possibility and you know open those conversations in other areas because you know like i, I can go into schools and that's meaningful and stuff like that but just trying to make the conversations i guess more normal no matter where i go because it's easy to do it in those spaces but it's you know for some people they don't want to talk about it at school you know some people open up when they're on the sports field or playing music or you know whatever they might be doing so just trying to make it a more open conversation that you, know, you can have these conversations anywhere bro that's mean so would you say if it was to be measured it would be the rangatahi that you are with at the moment uh years down the line are able to come up to you and say oh tani kia bro yeah nah i'm still doing this or i'm doing this now and i'm loving it yeah i think that's what's gonna that's what i've seen you know in previous years like i've had a few in 2022 i was a red shirt for the first time and so i was only just going into the second year oh my second year of study and so i was one of the youngest to be a red shirt but um you know, now I've had people who have just finished their first year of study and the other day, actually, I just had one of the blue shirts uh, reach out and be like, oh, because she was in year 12 at the time. So she's only just going to university now, but she reached out and said what she's doing. And, you know, that means a lot to me. And, you know, there's there's some that will, you know, talk to me all the time and that's cool. But there's also the ones that, you know, you don't really talk to, but then they open that conversation and then ask you things. And I think that's been the other meaningful thing is they haven't just, you know, told me, oh, this is what I'm going to study or this is what I'm doing. But they've also been, you know, they've asked the question, oh, so how do I become a richer or how do I become a subordinate? How do I become, you know, get into that role that you're in? And that shows me that I've been doing something right. You know, if, if there's people who want to be in those roles that I've been in, I must have done something right and had some impact on them you know, a lasting impact beyond the, you know, just knowing that I was there. Yeah. Bro, that's mean. That must be such a cool feeling. Not not kind of like a inflate my ego feeling, mm. but it's kind of you can sit back and kind of say, wow, man, like I must have said or did something that really sparked an interest in them to come and do what I'm doing so that they can be the ones in the future creating a spark for another student coming through. And that's the thing, eh, is like, it, it's such a you know humbling experience to have it you know it's it's never about oh that's awesome you know like oh i can use it you know or you know be like oh there's people who want to be like me it's more like oh it's awesome that you've just reached out you know because that's it's shown me that all those you know all that all those times that i reached out and stuff like that they actually did have an impact because you know it does get to a point especially if you're trying to create you know longer term relationships and connections it can get to the point where you're like, oh, am I 
you know, you, it's back to that friendship thing. Am I being too annoying, always messaging and not really getting response or stuff like that? But then you get, you know, then I get these students who are saying these things and it's like, okay, you know, like I, and that's something I've, I guess that's probably a big learning too, is being, you don't have to have an impact on everyone. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. we try and have an impact on everyone, but, you know, there's there's always going to be people that gravitate towards you and there'll always be people that don't gravitate, uh, gravitate towards you. But it's about, you know, holding the same kind of relationship with everyone, you know, not changing it because you're like, oh, I'm not going to get anything out of this, but just being real about it and seeing what comes of it. Yeah. That's such a huge thing too, because eh? you do mm -hmm. see a lot of people change who they are because you're like, they don't gravitate towards that person, so they instantly flip a switch and all of a sudden, oh, I don't need to tell you this, or I don't know, f figure it out yourself kind of thing. Whereas if you keep the same energy, student to student, person to person, eventually they'll come around and say, oh, he's not too bad. He's not my cup of tea, but he's not too mm -hmm. bad of a bloke. And, you know, if I ever need something, at least I know that I can reach out. And that's where you're, you know, holding the door open, even though they might not be walking through right now, at least they know that you're there. You've got the door open for them, bro. And yeah, as, you know, as I've said before, that's where it starts is giving that opportunity and, you know, most most students won't take it up most people won't take it up but it's not about that it's not about you know oh how many people can i successfully get to create those connections it's more about just knowing that they have that option there because you know trying to be that bridge between you know being a communicator for them to get to the places they need to be whether it's you know course advice so i can send them to a as an officer or whether it's, you know, just advice about school and stuff like that. And I can try and point them in the right direction or say, you know, this is my opinion on it. But at the end of the day, the decision's yours and giving them that reassurance, you know, without the stress of a parent or, a, you know, a teacher, a, a figure that holds some sort of responsibility, you know, because yes, I have the responsibility, but I like to think of it as like a big brother, you know, like, I'll be there to support you. All the, you know, things that are too much for me, I'll lead it where it needs to go. And all the small stuff I can, you know, try and give you some sense of what's real and what's not, you know. So, yeah, trying to hold that door open and be that be that bridge, be that connector in between. Yeah. That's awesome, bro. Because, yeah, we didn't have that stuff coming through. So they're so lucky to have that um, available to them. Because not every university mm. and not every student is going to be willing to do that for them in order to see the rangatahi come through and succeed in the space that uh, you're currently succeeding in, bro. Mm. That's amazing. Love to see it. And now, here's a question I have for you, bro, as, as another host of another podcast, um, The Baskets of Knowledge, for the whānau yep. out there listening. Go check it out. If you could recommend one episode from your podcast for our listeners here on this show doesn't have to be your favorite episode doesn't have to yeah. be um the most popular episode it's just if you could recommend one episode from your podcast for the listeners of the 99 dreams podcast go and check out what is it about what is it and why did you recommend it oh that's a hard question and i think it makes <laughs> it harder because we you know most of the time we have guests you know different guests on so it makes it seem like i'm choosing someone but i think probably i choose this one because he was such an inspiration to me and i've talked about you know different reasons why but 
I don't know what episode number it is. I can find it later, but um, it's an episode with Lockie Scarsbrook. And so when I was a blue shirt and came down to hands-on as a student, he was a red shirt. And so he was one of the leaders and someone I looked up to. And then coming into the red shirt space, you know, he was still someone I looked up to, but he's also so supportive and, you know, welcoming to your ideas and, you know, just evens the playing field. It doesn't matter the things he's doing. And, you know, recently, not last year, but the year before, he got a scholarship to go over to Oxford and do his PhD over there, you know, and I look at that as something that's, that I would never think is achievable, but, you know, I've had, you know, had conversations with him when I've been working with him and the year, you know, just the month gone by when I helped with hands-on, he was talking about, you know, celebrating my success in terms of the scholarship. And it just made me realize that, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're on and going back to the whole saying about, you know, different people have different successes and success looks different to everyone, but we're all on that boat of success and being able to celebrate each other, you know, is what really gave me meaning. And, you know, he came from a small background, similar to us, you know, coming from a smaller school, coming from a smaller background, not thinking you're going to achieve much. And here he is doing these amazing things. And, you know, that's what the podcast aims to show is that, you know, we've had people who, you know, come from those small backgrounds. We've had people who, you know, like I said, have all their family that went to university and they're just the next person to do it, you know? So I guess you know, it really draws back on what the podcast is all about, which is everyone has a story, you know, and sometimes you don't think you have a story, especially when you're comparing yourself to everyone else. And something that's come up in the last few episodes is, you know, this saying that uh, comparison is the thief of joy, you know? having this understanding that you know comparison is good but it also steals your joy from you know you achieving and you actually celebrating that moment because if you're always trying to compare yourself to others when you get those achievements you go oh but I don't get it at the same level but there's heaps of people that didn't ever get that achievement you know that would love to be in your position and that's something that I've held right through university is when I'm struggling when I'm you know, oh, I'm doing too much. Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I shouldn't be here in the first place. As I look back on that year 13, you know, my year 13 self who, you know, would have done anything just to go to university, you know, so all this other stuff, yes, it's amazing. And, you know, I'll continue to grow it, but it doesn't matter. You know, I've just, I've been able to come and that's, that's, that's more than, you know, what most people will ever get to experience. All of that's so true, man. There's sometimes, yeah, we forget that all of our own accomplishments are the dreams of our younger self. We sometimes forget that we get caught up in the moment, like you say, and we forget that I'm actually living out a dream. Mm. Like I'm at university, I've completed university, uh, we've started podcasts, <laughs> you know, we're, we're living dreams. Um, and sometimes, yeah, we do too much and we're like oh man but Tane's podcast is 60 odd episodes out mine's only got 20 odd episodes out keep comparing and you're never going to be happy because mm. i'd have to release every bloody day to catch <laughs> up to Tane and the baskets of knowledge over there what would you say my man has been you know other than learning about the um comparison being the thief of joy what what are some other key takeaways been from from your podcast that have really hit home 
Oh, I think something that hits home for me is, um, you know, this whole idea about males speaking out and speaking up about the struggles that they're going through. That's something that's come through. And I think it's really resonated for me because growing up, I was never really around that space. Um, and then in intermediate, I had a friend who, you know, was quite down and stuff like that. And he projected it all on me. And at the time, it was such a huge shock to be faced with these kinds of things. And because I'd never been in that space, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I didn't talk to anyone about it, you know, and, you know, I understand now, you know, why he portrayed those things on other people, because he was struggling with his own stuff. And for me, it would have been healthy to have those things. But, you know, as I've gone through, I've realized that it's just so key to open up and just be open and honest about the things you're struggling with because too often especially as males we you know we hold on to it and think oh i'm not going to tell people when i've said you know my opinion on it is it doesn't matter who you need to talk to as long as you talk to someone you know for for me it's a pride thing and so when i you know i don't feel like i can go to my close mates and my family and that's not because i'm not close with them but because i care so much about them that i don't want to put that extra burden on them and so you know, for me, it's about talking to somebody who doesn't know me that well, but they know me enough that I feel comfortable to share these things. But for other people, they love to go to those people close to them and really have those deep and meaningfuls with those people in their life. So you know, it's been changing that narrative. I think the other thing is, you know, showing that when you come to university, you, you know, nobody really knows what they're doing. And that's been a message we're trying to push, you know, or trying to get out of the um, you know, the whole podcast is that your journey is going to change and that's absolutely fine. You know, when you're 18, when you're year 13, you think, oh, I need one story and that's going to be you for university. And, you know, it's hard for me to relate sometimes because I changed my narrative in year 13 from wanting to do physiotherapy to doing something more broad in exercise and sports science, but then I followed it right through. But, you know, for most people, that's not the case and that's absolutely fine. So I think there's been so many learnings, you know, whether it's been, you know, opening up conversations, whether it's just, you know, making the decision for you as well, I think is an important one. You know, we too often we're like, oh, I need to make my parents happy. I need to make my teachers proud, my whānau proud. You know, this is, this is about everyone else. But the reality is you've still got to have your own say and your own input into why you're doing it in the first place. And as I touched on, you know, if if you're happy, then everyone else is going to be happy. And if that's not immediate, then that's fine because you're going to find people who are, you know, proud of what you're achieving regardless of where you go. Hard out, bro. Um, men's mental health or everyone's mental health is, is so important. And I think I'm very much like you. Uh, I will go to some of my friends, but I'm, I'm kind of, nah, I'll keep that for, for a stranger mm -hmm. that I don't know. Um, because, yeah, that, that burden sometimes is heavy and you don't want to sort of unload all of that onto your friends and whānau, especially because we don't know what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think hauora is much like success. Success is individual and hauora is individual. Um, we can help try and, you know, figure out what to do for other people, but essentially it's it's our own and so if we're ready to open up and heal then we've got to figure out how can we do that who's available to do that who do i know or who do i trust with that and um hey i'm always here whānau mm. if you're listening dms are always open 
never too late in the evening, in the mornings, never too early. I'd rather have you here than, you know, mm. have to attend, uh, you know, a service or you at the bloody hospital. So I know, yeah, if you are going through anything, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay not to be okay. And sometimes the hardest thing is just saying, I need help. Yeah. It's so true. And I think, you know, it probably it relates in some ways to, you know, it was the same with my journey in the gym is what I'm going to relate this to. But, you know, there was always a quote up in the gym that said, you know, the hardest part of coming to the gym is coming to the gym. You know, once you're at the gym, you'll do your workout because you're already there, but it's just stepping into those doors. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to get up. Sometimes you don't want to talk to people about these things, but, you know, it's just by changing this whole narrative of instead of every time somebody asks, how are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Because that's, you know, that's just, it's not, it's not helping anyone, you know, but just being like, oh, I'm all right. Oh, I'm actually pretty shit. It just opens that narrative. And, you know, sure, some people won't be, ready for that they won't won't want to have that conversation right there and then and that's absolutely fine but at least you've then got it off your chest and you've shown yourself that you can take that first step of showing that you're not all right and then you know even if that person can't help you they'll be like oh you know who do you want to talk to you know how do you think you know you can get through this and so it's just starting that process and it does it is it is hard to come by like i i still struggle with it myself and it's something that i'm trying to be more aware of and as I said I think in our last episode you know trying to for me now go into counseling and for me that's always been a stigmatized thing of oh you you only need to go if you really need help you know like why would you go outside of it but I think um listening to Troy's podcast in particular and then listening to you know a few other people just realizing that it's going to be something that will benefit me in the long term and yes you know like going to my first session is going to be daunting and scary and all those feelings and it's going to be weird to be talking about these things but also learning that you can go you know even if you are good you know just go and you never know what's going to come from those conversations you know I could go in spend five minutes and be like no everything's good I'm feeling good done you know that's it but other times going in when you didn't know things were bad but it's before anything turns really bad you know, and just having those conversations of, oh, actually, this is something that's been bugging me, but I haven't really thought about it or touched on it because I've been so busy or I've been just putting it to the side, you know. So just, yeah, creating more opportunities, I think, is something that's so key for these, you know, opening up. And it doesn't mean you have to tell everybody the world as soon as you start talking about it, but it's just a simple, at least an acknowledgement that, hey, I'm actually not doing all right. And I'm all right with that is the first step to, towards anything. Hard, even if it's just a, oh, what are you up to, bro? Nah, nah, not too much, but I don't want to talk about it. But, you know, it, mm. at least now everyone else knows that the cope-up is there. And if you want to dive into it a little more, then you can when you're ready. And hopefully Fano, if you're one of the people that someone comes up to reach out to you you're just there to listen you don't have to have advice you don't have to have solutions just as long as you're there to listen and understand what your friends or your Fano are going through i think that's the most important thing eh? is just mm. listen you don't have to have ten thousand solutions you don't gotta solve his problems or her problems overnight just listen and i think that's probably an important 
I dare you raise, right? Because I think that's often the scary part of going and talking to someone is you're like, oh, I don't want to put that pressure on people to try and come up with solutions to my problems. But for me, when I talk to people about these things, it's not that I want the solutions, you know. You know, sure, I'll take advice, but all I want is somebody who will listen to what I'm worried about without any judgment, but also without, you know, having that pressure of, oh, I need to know everything, but that you're just there and listening. So that's the biggest thing is finding someone that does listen to you. And as I say, it's not always going to be the people you expect, you know, like I've got plenty of, you know, mates that I don't really talk to that much, but I can talk to about this stuff. And that's just where I feel comfortable with, you know, close friends that I've had my whole life. I just could never talk to them about that. And again, not because it's because of the connection, but because that's just, I choose to keep those separate and that's absolutely fine. Hard out, Fano. Just whatever works for you, just as long as you're taking care of yourself and you understand that when the time comes, please do reach out because mm-hmm. we'd love to have you here. Uh, the best analogy that I can give is if you are into stock markets or anything like that and it looks like you're having a down year and all the stocks have crashed, but if you zoom out, and take a big look at the wider picture actually up versus last year you might be down over the past couple of two months but over the past two three years there's been growth and so sometimes fino when it feels like it's just been raining day after day week after week just remember that the sun will shine again you just got to wait for that day to come and weather the storm i know it does get hard but trust me it's a lot better when you're six feet above ground rather than six Mm -hmm. feet below. So my brother, as we start wrapping up the show here, man, there's only really one more thing I'd love to ask that I always ask my guests here is if in five to ten years you can come back and look on this episode and you're seeing Tane from the future, what's something you'd love to ask him that when you're watching this video you can answer? I guess, and this is probably going to sound, I guess it's not cheesy but it is but i think is the biggest question i would ask is are you happy you know because as much as we pursue um you know all these achievements and all these accolades and oh i've got to be there and i've got to be there something i've taken through my whole university you know is am i happy am i happy doing what i'm doing because if i'm not none of it matters you know it doesn't matter and you're always going to reflect on it as a negative so my key thing as I go through things is, am I, is it making me happy? And, you know, that doesn't mean that I have to change my whole lifestyle completely, but it means that as I go through, you know, time to time, I'll reflect on that and go, am I happy doing what I'm doing? What is, you know, is there things that I need to change? And what is it that I need to change? And being proactive about that as well, you know, because it's one thing to go, oh, am I happy? No. And then you carry on because it's just what it is but actually being proactive and going, okay, what is it that's not making me happy? And that's a process that you come to learn, but it's something that you should reflect on because it's so easy to, you know, go down a rabbit hole, go through a couple of months doing all this stuff because that's just what you're used to. And then you go, oh, I'm not actually happy doing this. And one day you just break, you know, just like this whole conversation about mental health, you know, it's better to have these small reflections along the way and just be like, yep, today I'm doing all right. Today I'm feeling average. Okay, the next day I feel all right again. Then not think about it, not think about it, not think about it. Oh, I'm really bad. And now I don't know what to do. 
our heart out. And one thing I think, um, especially reflecting on Waitangi Day the other day, is that you know our parents and our tipuna, they sacrificed, they lived hmm. and worked their asses off, so we had the opportunity to be happy. And I feel like the space that we're in now, we really do have an opportunity to be able to live a life where we can be happy whereas if we're doing things that we don't enjoy just drop it stop doing it leave that job um if you're in a toxic relationship but you're not too sure whether you are or you're not if you're unhappy leave it's not the end of the world your happiness matters the most like you say bro just keep working on being happy Mm. it's not cheesy it's not corny It's, it's a great um reflection to have in five to ten years i I hope you you are still happy brother and you're out there killing it i hope that scholarship has (laughs) has branched out to a few more regions bro because that's such an important co-papa that you're a part of man yeah it's going to be yeah exciting times and that's you know living for the moment as well is the other thing i'd probably want to reflect on you know like growing up it was always oh what are my goals for this year what where do i want to be in five to ten years but now it's about just enjoying the moment because there's so many moments you're going to miss if you're always looking at the end goal and you're not going to realize all the amazing things you've done, you know, on the journey if you're always just tunnel vision on that end goal. Hard. Sometimes you got to slow down and smell the roses. Hmm. Right, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really do appreciate it, Tane. And all my listeners, Fano, go and check out his podcast. I'll tag everything down below. Um, send me that episode and I'll, I'll link yeah. that one in particular as well as uh, your podcast links as well as your Instagram links. I'll link all of that down below yeah. as well as Tane's personal pages. If you want to go and catch up with him, reach out. He's got amazing things to talk about. If you want to see what his studies up to at the end of the year, mm-hmm. definitely keep an eye on him. Um, yeah. If you can help contribute, Fano hit him up because i know a few teachers um if you've been on the show so hit him up Fano. go check him out is there anything you want to say before you go tell the Fano what you're up to what you're involved with coming up no well other than honors i'm taking up a few roles and as i said about like in the coaching space and stuff like that but i guess probably if i was more to leave um advice or like for our podcast we talk about uh uh something for people to put into their basket of knowledge and i think for me it's about taking all those opportunities and pushing yourself to take these opportunities because if you you know if you never put yourself out there the answer is always going to be no you know whether it's something small or something you know big that you never thought you would achieve and you know now is the time to do it because once you leave university you're going to be in that nine to five job you're not going to have as many connections to draw upon you know whereas now i've had I've been so fortunate that I've, you know, made those connections not only with, you know, lecturers and stuff like that, but also, you know, my cohort that I know that I can reach out to in five to ten years when they're all doing amazing things. And by doing that, you give yourself so many more options that you can then turn away. You know, like get allow yourself, you know, allow yourself to be in the room and be in contention for these things. And then, as we said, if you have to say no, at least you know you put yourself out there instead of always thinking what if hard uh me personally i could never live my life thinking what if because that's the worst feeling great advice thank you so much for leaving there with the whānau uh again 
Tani, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. I truly appreciate it. It's all the Fano listening. Thank you so much for sticking around. Kaki te Tane, Kaki te Fano, Mori Ora, catch you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>